love you too. Love you too. I love you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord again. Amen. To worship with our church family. We are overly excited about Christ Chapel and what God is doing here. Um, my family, my, my children especially, they love, 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 love youth group. Um, and, and, you know, the, the joke around my house is whenever we uh, get ready to start and the church is full bloom and things are going well and all of that, uh, I'm afraid that our kids might not go with us <laughs> because they love here so much. Um, and we're thankful for that. That was our prayer that God will, that God would bring us to a place where our family would fit right in and they would feel loved and supported and, and God has not let us down. Uh, I'm so thankful today that we have such great pastors um, and we do love you pastors, uh, uh, Pastor Wood and uh, Miss Kelly, we love you guys um, so, so much. You guys are amazing people. Um, but Pastor, you know I love you. You're, you're a great man of God, and I couldn't ask for a better person um, to sit under in this season of my life. And I know our friendship is going to go on for years and years and years. Um, I think Pastor, sometimes he doesn't, and, and maybe it's a good thing. I, I don't even think he sees the full anointing that God has placed on his life um, and the influence that he has. And the devil knows all about it. But one thing is for certain, the hand of God is on his life. And whatever God has started, he is going to finish. Can I get an amen? Amen. Um, this morning, um, before we get started, um, let's just go to God in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, I pray today, God, that you will speak loud and clear to our hearts, God. You see every individual in this place. God, you know exactly what they need. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that the enemy's plans will not prosper. I pray today, God, that he would not be able to hinder what you're trying to say and what you're going to do in this service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I do also honor um, my wife this morning. I, I love her dearly as well, amen. Together we have three beautiful children and we're doing our best to raise them up in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Um, well, many years ago, um, when I was first born again, I, I lived with my mom and I would work the night shift. And every, just about every day, every morning I would get up and some part in the day start my day and my sister was there as well. And I don't know if you guys ever watched the soap, but General Hospital would come on at some point. <laughs> and what I would do, I would wake up and, like I said, start my day. And normally I would have conversations with my little sister. We're very close. And so I would have conversations with her. And before long, I found myself just immersed in the storyline of General Hospital. And I don't remember necessarily the characters' names or whatever, but I remember um, they were sitting in the, in the hospital room and um, the little monitor there 
started beeping as their loved one was laying on the bed there. The monitor started beeping, and eventually the beep didn't stop. It gave that continuous beep. And eventually what happened, the little line that goes up and down on the string just became flat. And the person eventually died, of course. And somewhere in the middle of that episode, I'm serious, guys, it takes a lot for me to cry. And I'm just going to bear my soul here. <laughs> I, a tear just, just all of a sudden just, just rolled down my cheek. I was like, what in the world is that about? I didn't have no clue. I couldn't stop it. It just all of a sudden just took place. And with that being said, after that, I have bared my soul, and you know my weakness now. Obviously, watching General Hospital is what makes me cry. I'm going to give you the title of my sermon. The title of my sermon, if you're taking notes this morning, is called Flatlined. Flatlined. The Free Dictionary Online says that flatline is an informal term for the state of a person whose medical monitoring equipment shows a flat line rather than normal peaks and troughs. Such a person has recently died or is near to death. For every person in this room today, there will be two ways in which we will die. Unless the Lord comes back before it happens, every single one of us are going to die a physical death. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So, so many people live their lives as though death is not an option. But one thing is for sure, death is unavoidable. In life, there are things that we try to control. We try to control our weight. We try to control our careers, our children, and our destinies, our temper, our health. But one thing that we cannot control is that appointment time in which we will meet God. Death shows no partiality. It doesn't matter how good you've lived, saint or sinner, every one of us will face the same reality. We all have heard the phrase, you only live once. But the reality is also true that you only die once. And how you live will determine how you live for eternity. Physical death is filled with uncertainty. I've as a chaplain, I've sat beside, stood beside so many people now that I cannot count. They have slipped into eternity. No one wants to be on their sickbed. No one wants to die, but it's going to happen to each and every one of us. Physical death, again, it's uncertain. But for the believer... We don't have to fear dying. Can I get an amen? Dying is merely a doorway into your destiny. For the believer, our destiny after leaving this earth is to be with Jesus in heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27 through 28, as it is appointed to men, again, once to die, but after 
this comes to judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Can I get an amen? I want to ask you a question. Who are you waiting for this morning? In Philippians 1, 21 through 24, Paul wrote, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from, from my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Sobered by the possibility of dying and weary of the stresses of life, Paul acknowledged that he would welcome the rest death brings in some way. Paul knew the moment that he left this life, he would be with Jesus. Listen, I have a problem with believers today. Sometimes our greatest investment is bound up in the things that are here on this earth. Why, why, why is that? Why are we not investing in what's going to last forever? Why are we not putting more stock in the things that really matter? Our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with others. But most of us, we're more concerned about our 401K than we are about the stability of our relationships with those that we see, our relationship with God. Many of us are struggling in our Bible reading, and that's why we're having a hard time knowing what God is trying to say to us and what he is trying to do in and through us. Come on, guys. Can I get one amen? You guys are listening very hard, and you like, shut up and go home. <laughs> but for those who die apart from God, we spend eternity in separation from him. Jesus tells us in Mark 9, 47 through 48, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. He says, it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. A terrible place to go is hell. Hell is described as a place of unquenchable fire. It is so terrible that every influence of sin which separates us from God and destines us for hell, sin, with that being said, must be opposed and rejected at all costs. Sin must be put to death in our lives. If, if you're going to listen to my sermon today, if you're going to receive what I'm saying today, you might as well get your black suit and black tie and black dress ready because we're about to have a funeral service up in here, up in here. How, how, how do we put sin to death? 
How do we overcome the struggles of life and rise from the ashes victoriously every single time? The easy answer would be to trust God, but the hard reality is walking it out daily. Listen, it's easy to say to trust God, but there's a whole lot of life that I am living and got to live in between where there are peaks and valleys, dark dark places and shadows and mean and hateful people. How do I do that? That is the question that we must ask ourselves today. That is the question that we're going to ask ourselves until we see him face to face. This brings me to my second way we would die, and that is spiritually. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7, if I think we have it, we can put it on the screen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Paul gives us an in, some insight on this subject. It says, or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she remarries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not only in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Ooh, that's a hard word to say. For apart from the law, sin dies, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing the, an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin, producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin may be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. 
For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God, but in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, the law of sin. In your own time, study this out. But in our text, Paul is dealing with the Mosaic law and the law of Christ. Before Christ, the people were married to the, to the Mosaic law and its sacrifices. Just as a woman whose husband has died is no longer bound to that marriage in the same way when a person accepts Christ as Lord, they are no longer bound to sin. Paul's point is that we no longer depend on the Old Testament law and its sacrifices to have and to continue our relationship with God or gain access to and acceptance from him. Are you thankful about that today? However, we are not free. I want you to hear me this morning, church, because we get so entangled up in, we're going to talk a little bit about it, we get so held up on that word grace. However, we are not free from the law so that we can live unto ourselves. We are free so that we can be married to Jesus and so that we can bear fruit to God. We are not to live a carefree life, but we are to live a careful life. So, so we are now people of the Spirit. We're not to live a carefree life, but a careful life. Because now we are married to Jesus. In our responsibility of being married to Jesus' church, we got to learn how to be faithful. 
Not in some things, but we got to be faithful in all things. I don't need someone to tell me necessarily how to love my wife. I know how to love my wife because I spend quality time building a relationship with my wife. I don't need a set of rules on how to love my wife. I love my wife because I know that it's the right thing to do. I love her because I am in love with her. Listen to what Paul said. He says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Jesus Christ. For the law of sin and death, for the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Romans 8, 1 through 4, as much as I am a person of the Spirit. I firmly believe that I have a choice and I must make a conscious decision every single day to walk with God. That's my responsibility. Regardless of the internal war that is raging at times, I choose to follow Jesus. Regardless of all the pretty young ladies that are out there in the world and all of the temptation, I choose to be faithful to my wife. Regardless of all the gods and the things that I can worship and give my time to, I choose to be faithful to my relationship with Jesus Christ because I am married to him and I'm not going to look at another. I'm not going to walk with another. I'm not going to think about another. I am going to keep my focus on him. I understand that we are in a time of grace, but grace does not give us an opportunity to live a life in sin, but it gives us an opportunity to live a life above reproach. Did you know that? I get so tired of people preaching messages as though we can continue to live in sin, God forbid. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. We are a representation of the kingdom of God because God is on the inside of us. We are light and not darkness. Let me find where I was at again. It gives us an opportunity to trust God and the ability to approach his throne because we are now married to his son. Did you recognize that? It is because of Jesus that we are able to approach his throne. And if he's the... Uh, if he's God, he, if he's omniscient, he knows all things. He sees all things. Don't you think he knows how we treat his son? Even in private when no one else is looking. Even in here when we're thinking thoughts that we should not think. Don't you know that he already can see that? 
In one way, I'm thankful that he can see it because now I can deal with it. We don't have to be ashamed. We can, we can come with boldness to the throne of God. But when we have that opportunity to come, listen, we need to come with the understanding that there's something inside of us that's alive that needs to die. And I'm going to lay it at the altar and become a Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 kind of person, a living sacrifice. The law brought problems for God's people. Why? Because the law, apart from Christ, it was impossible to keep. And by the time the Pharisees and the religious leaders got a hold of it, there was over 600 requirements attached to what God had originally said. I want you to notice what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 2 through 4. He says the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Ah. The Pharisees, they knew what to do, but they just wouldn't do it. Modern-day Pharisees are in our churches. And at times, we play a good Pharisee, don't we? We know what to do, but we won't do it. And that's why we got to be careful as ministers, according to James, as teachers of God's word. Because we know what to do. We tell people what to do, but at times we don't even do what we're asking other people to do. And we wonder why on our jobs and in the marketplace as we go about our day, so many people are looking at the church and saying the church is so hypocritical. And on one side, they're telling the truth. On the other side, they're lost because they're pushing themselves further away from God because they're looking at the wrong example. I want you to follow the Christ that is in me more than you follow me. I want you to follow God's word more than you follow anything else. Charles can err. Charles can teeter off the path. But God God's word is perfect, holy, and righteous, and we should apply it to our lives. The law was like a bright light that revealed the sin that was hidden deep within the hearts of the people. Outwardly, many of them appeared flawless, but inwardly, there were lesions that scarred their insides. Sin is like a cancerous Lesion that eats away at your insides, and if not detected early, it will take your life. It will take your life. The law does not justify us. It does not make us right with God. The law does not sanctify us. It does not take us deeper with God and make us more holy before him. The law on one side left the people condemned, but on the other side, it revealed a much greater need, and that need was Jesus. If you ask me who I preach, I preach Jesus. If you ask me who I'm following, I follow Jesus. I don't follow men, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus, I follow his word, and I follow your leader.
leadership as they follow Christ. Paul says in verse 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We died with Jesus at Calvary. We are dead to the law and delivered from its dominion over us so that we can and should serve the newness of the Spirit. Our freedom, church, our freedom is not given so that we can stop serving God, but so that we can serve him better under the newness of the Spirit and not of the old way of the written code and to walk And to walk in the newness of the Spirit, there first must be a flatline experience that takes place in your life. There has to be a death that takes place in your life. There has to come a moment and a time that you die to yourself. There must be a moment when you die to your old nature and live out the newness of your life in the Spirit. God has given us His Holy Spirit. Why we don't talk about Him is beyond me. He needs to be made known to a generation of people who are looking for the second coming of our Lord. The pastor talked about it. He said there's going to be a knowing inside of the believer. There's going to be a looking towards heaven. Listen, I, am, I cannot wait. I can feel it just like pastor can feel it. There's going to come a moment where he is coming back for his church, and I'm excited about it, and I am thankful for the infillment of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful. Paul explains that the law is not sinful and that it's good. The law was instructions to God, to, to his people. In fact, Paul says that he would not have known how sinful he was if it were not for the law. He makes it clear that the law was not the problem, but sin is the main culprit for spiritual death. He explains in verse 11 through 12, for sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Sin, this is one thing I want you to know about sin, sin is deceptive. Sin is deceiving. It it feels so good in a moment. And it has a potential to make us feel alive, but in the end, we die spiritually. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Death is just compensation for sin. It is what we have earned and deserved for our offenses against God. But eternal life is something that we cannot earn. It is a gracious and undeserved gift from God, a gift we must simply receive by faith in Christ Jesus. Can I get at least two amens to let me know you're still with me? But the law was not enough to keep and sustain them. They needed more. We need more. We need more Jesus in our world today. 
Ephesians 5 and 18 tells us to be continuously filled with the Spirit. Be continuously more filled with Jesus. Stop trying to do life without Christ. Notice what Paul says in verse 14 through 20 in Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I want, do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I want to stop for a moment and say, guys, listen, it's hard work reading chapter 7. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> Romans chapter 7 is like a, a, a lesson in grammar or something. I don't know. I like how Don Stamps, he is um, the, the author of the, the stud, um, Fire Bible, the study por uh, portion of that, the commentary there. Um, he writes about these verses. He says, more than any other words, in chapter 7, these few words clearly point to the spiritual or unspiritual condition of a person whose life has not yet been renewed through a personal relationship with Christ. He says the phrase is so strong that it would be difficult to take it as referring to a Christian. This statement is supported by the following reasons, he says. In chapter 7, Paul is explaining the inability of the law to rescue us from sin. Yet the gospel of forgiveness and new life through Christ is completely capable of bringing spiritual salvation and freedom from sin through God's grace. He also says that Paul also states in verse 5, that those who are in the flesh, driven by unspiritual, selfish, and sensual desires, fruit leading to death, spiritual and eternal death, in Romans 8 and 13, he maintains that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. The expression sold under sin means being captive and controlled by sin's power. This cannot apply to the life of a true believer in Christ since Christ, by the ransom of his blood, has rescued us and freed us from the power of sin and declares that sin, is no, sin no longer has control over us. Christ himself affirmed this. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Can I get an amen? I also appreciate John Piper's insight on this. He says in Romans 7, he says Romans 7 and 5 describe life under the law of Moses and is 
further spelled out in Romans 7, 14 through 25, while Romans 6 describes life in the spirit and is unpacked in Romans chapter 8, 1 through 11, but differently. Romans 7 cannot be understood apart from its relationship with Romans 8. The two chapters belong together. Romans 7 gives the problem, the law's inability to deliver us from sin, anointly felt by Paul as a pre-converted Jew. And Romans 8 gives the solution, divine deliverance through Christ and his spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I firmly believe that the struggle, there is a difference between a struggle and giving in to something. I firmly believe that. We all struggle The struggle is real, but I also know the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than my struggle. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't know what them means to you, but them is everything that life has to offer, that every negative thing, everything that has the potential to cause me to fall and to disobey God and to disappoint the heart of God. God, through Christ, has given me the power over those things. And if you are saved, born again of the Spirit, you have the power to to, to overcome whatever obstacle you're facing in life. Listen, I know sickness is going to come in your body. I know that we came here and we were going to die and that this is not our home, that this is just a temporary place. And I am thankful that this is a temporary place, that soon as I close my eyes, I'm going to open them in the presence of God, where I'm going to spend eternity with him, dancing around his throne, worshiping him and serving him and doing life for eternity in heaven. Power of the Holy Spirit that is within us certainly will not leave us enslaved to sin and powerless to overcome it. God's word also tells us that those who know Christ will not continue to sin in a habitual way. 1 John 3, 6 through 9 says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness, Righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's harsh language. But that's preaching. That's good preaching. That's the truth of God's word. He says, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. That's strong language. 
This relationship, once we die to ourselves, this is a continual thing that we do every single day. I have to wake up in the morning and die to myself all throughout the day. The verb to sin is a present active infinitive implying continued or persistent action. John emphasized that those who are truly God's children cannot make sin their way of life because God, God's life cannot exist in those who make a practice of habitual sinning. Habitual sinning should grieve the believer because... It grieves the Holy Spirit that lives within us. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and 5, Paul challenges the church by saying, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Romans 6 and 11 says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through to God through Christ Jesus. Our greatest challenge in the church is deeper than the attacks of the devil. Our greatest challenge is learning to die to ourselves and submit ourselves to God. And when we do that, in fact, the devil will do what? Galatians 5, 19 through 25, Paul gives a list of sinful practices, the things that, is, that not only separates us from God, but has the potential of destroying relationships with those you love and do life with. He mentions adultery, sexual immorality, impurity, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish dissensions heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and the like, I warn you as I previously warned you that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But he also lists the fruit of the Spirit. He lived in this list, it gives us things that brings us closer to God, that brings life in our relationship with God and with others. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. God has given us the responsibility of doing what it takes to put to death those things that has the potential of killing our joy and our peace. In order to overcome the sinful struggles that life often brings, there must be a moment in your life where your sinful nature must die. There must be a moment in your spiritual walk where you go from barely surviving to thriving. Paul makes it clear that you cannot do this unless you are willing to make a conscious decision every day to trust God. Put to death means to annihilate, to totally do away with. Galatians 5, 24 through 25 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 6, 
11 through 14. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instrument of for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have dominion over you. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. I'm almost there, guys. It is because of his grace that over 2,000 years ago, Our Lord sent his Holy Spirit. He sent us his word. And through these two means, we can now live a life that is pleasing to God. In our text, Romans 7, 15, Paul admits that life poses many struggles. We notice that for he said, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want but the things that I hate. Yes, Paul had struggles too, just like we have struggles. However, so many people try to use this very verse as a way of doing what God's word tell us not to do. I want you to notice Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He realized that a real struggle, church, there is a real struggle. It's, a, it's the flesh against the Spirit. When you consider Paul's life and the letters that he wrote, he is now talking about a a pre-conversion time in his life before Acts chapter 9. Up to that time, he was dependent on strict obedience to God's law in order to be righteous and to find favor with God. If anyone knew what it was like to trust their own stream and self-righteousness, Paul would have been that man. He knew what it was like to try so hard to accomplish righteousness but continually fail short. Even though he boasted about his accomplishments as a Pharisee, he knew that it was worthless and he compared it to dong to what he had in Christ. Regardless of the past, present, and future, Paul understood that having a reliance on Christ alone was the only way to go. If you'll stand today, I want to get ready to let you guys go home. And if the pianist would come, I want you to notice what Paul says in Romans 7, 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Flatline, again, it's an informal term that states, for me, term for the state of a person whose medical monitoring equipment shows a flat line rather than normal peaks and troughs. Such a person has died or is very near to death. Today there must be a spiritual funeral 
that takes place in your life. If you're here and you're struggling, one thing's for certain, it's easy, it is easy, it is easy to convince man, humanity, that all is well. But one we can't fool, one we can't hide from, that is him. There should be a freedom in this house today. That, that, that assures me and helps me to know that this meeting that we have called church is more than coming together and listening to a few songs and listening to the man of God or take God's word to the best of his abilities. But this is a meeting with God. Where we come, we find a freedom to pour our heart out to him. Where we can grab a hold of the horns of the altar and the scripture comes to life. Whom the son has set free is free indeed. Listen, this should be a place, a city of refuge where we can come to the altar and say, God, I am lost. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know which way to go. I am struggling with this habit. I am struggling with this thing. And I don't know how I'm going to overcome it. Church, I'm not the smartest person in this building. But I do know that you can give it to Jesus. Every one of us in this place, if we search deep within our hearts, I firmly believe that there's something inside of every single one of us that we could bring to Jesus. There's something inside of every one of us that needs to die. Some of us got a little selfishness inside of us. I told pastor this morning, I felt like I have a message coming down the road called the, uh, the unseen scene. The thought that the Holy Spirit keeps prompting me is like, Charles, you keep walking by every single day people that need to hear the gospel. Oh, they may not look like it. They're not the homeless person that's standing on the corner. But Charles, they're the ones that have the suit and ties on even. They're the ones that look like they got it right. They haven't died yet to themselves. And because they have not died yet to themselves, they're going to spend eternity separated from me. Charles, does that concern you? Help us, Lord. Help your church, Jesus. Pour out your spirit on your church. Pour out your spirit on your church, God. We need a move of your spirit. Lord, we need to know, God, that you are with us and not against us, God. Bring to life those things that have died, God, when we were first born again and in a relationship with you. Lord, and we said, I would go to the nations, and now we don't even want to go to our neighbor. Lord, help us. There needs to be a flatline moment in the church. Somebody in this place today needs to be born again. 
but you're so afraid to come because you're co so concerned about what church people got to say. You need to be concerned about the author and the finisher of your faith, and his name is Jesus. He came, he died, he rose again, and is seated at the right hand of God Almighty, making intercession for the church. He is in this place today. The second person of the Trinity is here. The third person of the Trinity is here. The Godhead and body is in this place. Church, I want to ask a simple question. If you're here in this place today and you, listen, it's not about the preacher. Because listen, after I'm dead and gone, there's going to be another preacher that's going to come and he's going to be preaching the gospel truth. But now, you have an opportunity Spirit of God has been knocking at your door for a very long time. And our Lord, according to the book of Revelation, stand at the door and knock. Are you going to open the door and let him in? If that's you today, you have not given your heart to Jesus. And you want to do that. I challenge you to come now. Please come now. If you're here today and you're struggling, you've been struggling for a while and you don't know, well, not that you don't know, You're ready to release that and let that go. If that's you, I challenge you to come now. Today, there's going to be a funeral service right here in front of our church where they're going to leave that thing, that, that thing, that struggle right here and give it to God. I want to make that, that first call one more time have not surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, I don't want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to make a public statement. And every one of these loving people will surround you, those who you allow into your circle will surround you and lift you up. There's pastors here that you can confide in and talk with that will walk you through all the processes. If that's you today and you want to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus, come now.
Let's pray together. Lord, knowing that you see all these things, can I just be an echo of our heart today? For those that came to the altar, Lord, I I don't care what others think. I care what you think today. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, oh Lord, for rationalizing and making excuses. But I just repent. Repentance. I do it again. I do it again. For those in the congregation, Lord, that have walked closely with you and have put to death sins that are now alive again, may they kill it again. May they go back. If their testimony was that Christ freed me from this, how can it now live today? And may they put it to death again. For if they through the Spirit mortify the deeds of their body, they're going to live. But if they live after the flesh, they'll die. Lord, there are those in this room. We're just so grateful for what you did for us and in us. And how you've changed us. No, we're not perfect. But we're not the same as we used to be. And we're grateful. Oh, we're grateful, Lord. Thank you for this anointed word, Lord. Thank you for the boldness that Charles brought. That it's not just a word of just make us all feel good. But to examine ourselves. To see if we're found in the faith. We bless you today, Lord. We honor you. May we be ever aware of your watchful eye. In a comforting sense and in a sobering sense. And it's in your son's name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Don't forget, guys, before you leave, this Wednesday, there's no midweek services because there'd be four of us here. Everybody be Thanksgiving preparing. And also tonight, Chris, what time is open, Jim? Six. Six o'clock tonight, open gym for our youth. God bless you.